Hello, hello. Welcome to the first ever episode of Sidewalk Small Talks, where we do history and talk about cities. I am your host, Evelyn, and in this very first episode, we are going to talk about everyone's big question for a history major graduate, which is, what are you going to do with your history degree? And before we do that, I want to quickly introduce myself. So for those of you who do not already know me, I am Evelyn. Um, On the weekdays, I'm a government girlie, and on the weekends, and essentially every other weekdays, I am a nerd in urban issues, urban stuff, slash urban history, slash immigration stories, and I'm also kind of getting on transportation slash infrastructure-related stuff. But you get my point. I love talking about, like, everything that's urban and historic and transportation-related. And I think that's really related to where I'm basing out of. So right now, I live, I inhabit in the DMV area. For those of you who do not know what DMV stands for, it's not the Department of Motor Vehicles. It's D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. And this area is growing So rapidly, we see people moving in from everywhere around the world and everywhere around the country. So traffic is horrible, which is also why after sitting in traffic for too long, I've started to think of ways that we can do this better. And which is also why I'm getting on transportation slash infrastructure related stuff. Um, Just to give you a little bit context, like traffic over here is bad. You know, some people told me that L.A. traffic is the worst you can ever get. But just to give you a little bit of context, like for for like a 20 minute trip in the DMV in rush hour, you can literally sit in traffic for 45 minutes, which is more than two times the original time that you have to take to get to the place that you want to go to. So in my opinion, that's really bad. Um, And so, yeah, that explains why. Um, I'm getting on to more related to public transit and transportation related stuff. But um, I think you need to know enough about me. And just to confirm your assumption, I am a history major graduate. I used to major in history when I was in college. So for the longest time, um, I remember being asked while as a student, um, what do you want to do, you know, after you graduate or can you actually get a job, you know, like, you know, being asked questions like these and also, you know, in my heart, not having a clear answer, I felt just disoriented most of the time. And so, which is why I kind of really want to dedicate um, an episode and talking about how you know, how we can answer this for, for ourselves and also not, not just, you know, for other people, but like, you know, like what, what actually does a history degree, you know, give you and kind of talking a little bit about whether I have regrets, what are the things that I learned, what are the things that I enjoy and what are the um, tangible or, or maybe not tangible, but, but like technical skills that I get out of pr- this program. And I think, um, and I, I, and I actually really do hope that this episode can be, um, an interesting one and also a very helpful one to, to those of you who are, you know, being asked the questions that I was being asked while I was a student. Um, and so back to the question, um, 
what does a history degree, you know, get you? Like, like, why do you do a history degree? Um, and I think that, like, to, to begin with that, I have to dive a little bit back into a personal backstory. So I did not grow up in the DMV, um, although I have lived here for five years now. Um, I basically grew up in Hong Kong. And by the time I go to college in the DMV area, um, I was pretty much still a fresh immigrant, if that makes sense. Although I'm not like, you know, immigrant, immigrant, like I have my citizenship um, long before I started living in the U.S. So, but my experience of relocating to, to the U.S., getting used to the system and figuring out a future in this society has basically zero difference from other immigrants who also navigated through this path. So I remember while I was in Hong Kong growing up, um, um, I knew that I loved um, politics. I loved city politics. Um, but in Hong Kong, politics is not something that you can just easily participate if that makes sense. And it's just civic engagement is not a thing like in the U.S. or the U.K. Like, you just don't really see people go voting. The only time when you hear people talk about politics is really like when they're complaining to their neighbor and complaining, you know, on the dinner table um, about the things that they do not like about the government. So basically, um, I knew that even though I like to learn about politics and policy, um, a, a career path out of it is not quite feasible because I knew very clearly that um, I don't want to be working as a bureaucrat for the rest of my life um, at a very younger age. And I knew that I, you know, I want to do something like advocacy work. Um, I wanted to do something that's more exciting than just working in a government office, even though right now I'm actually working in a government office. But um, in the U.S., even though my day job is, you know, a government girly doing like working for the government, but still you got a lot of chances to participate. You got um, a lot of forums that the government hosts that you can just go and like meet other people who are working for the government and talk about your thoughts on certain things that the government wants. Community feedback, right? You can vote. You can do a lot of things to participate in the government. Um, as long as you're eligible to vote. And um, so, yeah, back to kind of, you know, Hong Kong younger Evelyn. Um, so I knew that, you know, with the atmosphere we have in Hong Kong, like having a career in, uh, in the political world is not quite feasible. So I figured um, I might want to become, you know, a, a historian of be, being a professor because um, from a very young age, by that, I mean like seven years old or second grade or third grade, whatever, you know, grade school level um, we associate that age with. Um, I loved learning Chinese history and I also loved learning about Western world history. So I knew that I'm going to be a professor. And so, um, yeah, basically that was kind of the longer underlying reason why I eventually picked history as my major um, in college. But essentially, fast forward to when I went to college, um, I basically, again, feel 
very like fresh in this society. And I remember um, in my freshman year, I was thinking that, oh my gosh, like, what is, you know, what, what, what is the path that I can go? Like, although I know that the political scene in the DMV area is very big, um, you know, with the federal government in DC and with Annapolis not too far away from DC and with all the other like local governments in the area, like you can really carve out a career path in politics. And, but still, when you're a fresh immigrant, you don't know too much about, you know, a country. And so where do you get the confidence to get a career in, you know, like in politics? So basically I had zero confidence in, you know, doing anything po uh, politics or policy related. And so I basically fall back to the idea of let's be a professor. Um, and so, which is why I started um, with the hope of you know, I started doing a history program with the hope of carving out or trying to figure out what I want to be in the future while having, you know, the idea at the back of my head that I can still be a professor, um, you know, and get my PhD if I couldn't figure anything out. So that is why I, that is primarily why I started my um, history program in my undergrad. But um, another, I think, equally crucial reason that I chose studying history and particularly um, U.S. history and also like the United States role in the world um, in the contemporary times is really because um, I wanted to learn more about the United States of America. I wanted to learn more about how it has become what it is now. And so I thought, you know, history is a really good place to start. And at the end of the day, like a lot of politicians, you see um, in the federal, state, or local level, they probably have done a history degree, you know, in their undergrad. Um, eventually, they might, you know, go to law school and then become a lawyer, or they might get an MPA and work in, you know, the government, or even do something else like do business or do a lot of different things that, you know, um, in the world. So I figured history is, you know, while history the history program might not provide you a lot of like technical skills that, you know, say a nursing program can provide or kind of, you know, have a whole like career path ahead of you after you finish the program. Um, it still offers a lot of, I guess, knowledge and skills that I needed as a fresh immigrant um, in this country. And so that is why I started doing history. But then um, during my course of being a history student, um, because I was still in the process of figuring things out. I don't have a clear answer for everything. And whenever I see internships that specifically state that they are looking for a particular major student and, you know, the list of majors that they put on their job description, not including history or any liberal arts, I feel like so... You know, I I I'll I will retreat to like questioning my um my choice to have history as my major, and especially when being asked by you know just haters, <laughs> um how I would like to frame them, um like what are you gonna do with a history major? You know, in the in a slightly con condescending way, um I I always you know feel um you know I always question myself if I made the wrong decision, but um. 
I would say after completing a history program um, in my undergrad and now working um, and now being able to get a job um, and work in a field that I actually like, I would say that to especially those students who are figuring out with a humanities or liberal arts, you know, major, that you will be able to figure things out. I mean, like the things that we study might not be um, as, I guess, defining in terms of a career path as other folks are studying, but because our courses of study does not put us into a specific category of what type of jobs that we normally can get after graduation, we have so much flexibility to even creating the uh, syllabus or creating, you know, our roadmap for ourselves. And to, to, I guess, explain a little bit more on that note, the reason why I say this is because, um, for instance, right, if you like transportation policy, say, for example, and you're a history major right now, right? Say you're a sophomore and um, you're probably going to be very interested in, say, the U.S. transportation scene on how transportation policy has developed. You know, how do we go from, you know, trolley cars, streetcars to now highways? You know, you can learn a lot about history. I mean, learn a lot through history about transportation policy development, right? And the this whole this whole topic is at the intersection of policy and also um, U.S. history, right? And so, although not too many college courses, especially on the undergraduate level, will explicitly, you know, or or specifically have the topic that you want to learn more um, listed in the course catalog. But you can always do those independent studies, which is something that I love a lot about, you know, colleges in general. And um, with an independent study course, you basically design what you want to learn, right? And I think this whole process of actively designing your own syllabus, finding reading materials, identifying a mentor or you know, a professor who is grading your writing is more rewarding and it helps you to learn more when you're just signing up for a written out syllabus class with a hundred other people in the class or even more and, you know, learning something that people, you know, design the framework for you because, you know, the latter one is what we call basically passive learning and like the former one, which is like the independent study course, is a more active way of learning. And I'll let you know what, because when you're in the workforce, a lot of times you have to learn something and pick up a, an area um, of knowledge very quickly. And so with um, the experience of, you know, doing independent study, you're basically training yourself to teach yourself in a topic on an area like very quickly you're um, you're basically training up yourself to find information to locate resources and combine the uh, information the resources or whatever that's readily available in your hand into a product or into 
a way of systemized um, understanding of what is going on on a certain topic. And so I know that like for independent studies, you know, many like you don't have to be a history major to to do an independent study. Like you can be literally a nursing major and maybe, you know, you have your own idea of learning about something else in the nursing field and you can probably do something along those lines. But what I want to say is that um, because we don't because our field or like our course of study is very like porous, that gives us a lot of flexibility to what we want to learn. And that gives us a lot of freedom. And so my point is, as long as we know how to leverage the freedom that we are given with our program, we can actually do a lot of things and prepare ourselves so well and in a way that is active, not passive, for for the job that we're looking for, if that makes sense. And so, um, I um, so kind of what I'm trying to get to is that looking back um, onto my whole course, I think that a history major or a history a history degree can really help you to first off realize that you have a lot more agency in what you want to learn and helps you to take responsibility of your learning progress, if that makes sense. Because at the end of the day, even though if you're not interested in policy and learning about how policies developed um, throughout the past, say, like 50 to 100 years, um, say, say you're just really interested in a cultural aspect of a certain community in, say, like Mexico, right? Um, you, you're like in history, you're not just learning history. Like you're learning an intersection of so many other fields, right? Like, say if you're interested in a particular culture in a community in Mexico, like you're probably learning, um, you know, what's the what's the study with the stars with A? Anthropology. Yeah, you're, you're like you're learning anthropology. You're learning how to analyze culture. And so eventually you will find yourself wanting or like completing courses of, you know, other fields of study, say, say for example, anthropology. And so if, when you're studying history, you're not just learning about politics. You're just not learning about policies. And the reason why we sometimes associate, you know, the study of history as past policies or like past politics or past presidents, if that makes sense, was because we were, we were raised in a system that teaches history that way. But history isn't just about politics. History is about everything. And even if you're, say, like a pre-med student with a biochem major, like you can also minor in history and learning about medicinal history, if that makes sense, or learning about how, um, I guess, healthcare um, came along, if that makes sense. Like, there are a lot of aspects of history that are just untouched, um, very under-researched, but sheds light to the present situation um, of a particular field, because at the end of the day, what we see in the present, whatever system, institution, practice, culture, um, policy, it all stems from, you know, a past, right? And so back to the point, like, especially for humanities, liberal arts, and history students, like, we're given so much freedom to learn what we want to learn. And so the crucial point is that we leverage this freedom and we know how to identify the resources or the mentors um, 
that would lead us to learning what we want to learn, which I think is a really crucial skill when you're in society, because you will never be fully prepared with your undergraduate degree. Um, like your undergraduate degree is just an entry ticket to jobs, but like it doesn't prepare you for anything. Like while you're on the job, you really have to be so active and seeking out and like learning. You can't just you know sit here and expect everybody will lecture you or somebody would brief you everything that you need to know. Like you you have to you know go out of your way and like ask this person, ask that person, you know, or like even ask people outside of your industry or outside of your company or your or your organization to learn, you know, how a particular trend in the industry uh, has developed or, you know, like what is actually going on with the industry. So, like, my point is leverage the freedom of learning that a history degree provides. And even eventually you decided that you want to stay academic, and then get a PhD and then become, you know, a historian, like the whole active learning process and approach is very crucial to even start doing a PhD, right? Because at the end of the day, when you get a PhD in a certain, you know, area of subject, you're basically like the expert of it. And the only way to become an expert is to actively learn a certain topic. And so, yeah. Back to the question, you know, like what can you do with a history degree? Many things if you leverage the freedom that you're given and being bold enough to experiment the different areas of knowledge that um, that is presented or available to you to learn, you can discover a lot. Like the sky's the limit. And um, we can probably do another episode to dig deeper into what does it mean to like leverage the freedom that a history program um, gives. But um, at this point of time, I just want to say, you know, in, in retrospect, that I do not regret that I have chosen history as my major. But what I will do, if I can go back in time, is that I want to learn a little bit more on economics. So maybe I won't just major in history, but you know, doing a double major in history and also economics, um, because I realized that I am not quantit quantitatively trained to analyze stuff, especially with numbers. Um, and I found increasingly that, you know, the study of economics really helps you to see social things and societal things in a more quantitative way, which is something that I really hope to get some training on. And so, Kind of like another piece of advice for those of you who are history majors or humanities or liberal arts majors is that don't just do a single major, like diversify your 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 academic path, like, you know, double major in something that you don't think you might want to try learning, say like exam, like say, for example, um, economics for me or I don't know, you can even like, you know, major in something that's totally unrelated, like say biochem. And eventually you might find, you know, the history of medicine really cool. And, you know, you might be eventually comparing how medicine from different culture, you know, evolves. I don't know. But like the point is, um, you know, with a history degree, you're given so much freedom to learn what whatever you want to learn. And the second thing is 
with that freedom given to you, you got to leverage it. And the third thing is, as you leverage it, try thinking of double majoring in another area um, that can simulate um, the other part of your brain um, so that you have um, a more, I guess, well-trained brain to learn things that are qualitative and also quantitative, if that makes sense. So, wow, we've talked a lot about, you know, history, but I think... I think that's kind of like what, okay, I'm kind of like losing my organization, which is something that a history student should not lose. But anyways, um, yes, we've talked a lot about, you know, being a history student and how we can get the most out of a program. And I think we can now by now transition um, to the next part um, of this episode, which we're going to focusing on introducing what are the things that we'll be sharing and what are the what are the content areas that we would be focusing on for this podcast so um as i mentioned before it is the first ever episode of sidewalk small talks and while i talked so much about you know what a history degree can like do for you um i kind of also want to dive into the logistics of of this podcast show if that makes sense so um, a little bit brief explainer to why I started this podcast is really because um, I personally love learning about, you know, local history, and I love learning about the past through the aspect of space. And I personally also find out that not too many podcast shows out there kind of um, presents content or like presents stories from the aspect of space. And a lot of the history podcast shows out there really just focus on perhaps, you know, a person's biography and also, you know, a particular really big national or international event, like, I don't know, like the Civil War or like the Roman Empire or like the World War One or World War Two, which to me, I think it's just overly discussed. Um, um, I personally really like to find like smaller stories that fit into a big historical context, if that makes sense. For instance, um, this is actually a topic that we will be going a little bit deeper um, in future episodes. But for instance, as I walk the streets, I see a lot of these different monuments in D.C., right? And so one of these monuments that I saw in Sheridan Circle was called the Latelier Moffitt Memorial. And basically what this memorial commemorates is um, the assassination, a foreign state-sponsored assassination that took place in Sheridan Circle, D.C., so there's this guy, Latelier, who was the former um, ambassador to the U.S. from Chile. Um, he was basically being persecuted to the point of death in D.C. And the person who ordered the assassination of Latelier was the Ch- was the Chilean dictator Pinochet. And so, like things like these, right? You know, it's a really small story, and per- perhaps when I say this, and if even if you're a DC person or a DMV person that you've been to Sheridan Circle for like countless of times, you probably may not realize the story, right? But this assassination story really shows, you know, um, I guess it really also tells a lot about cold war and operation condor and you know a lot of big topics that took place in the cold war and so i like to talk about stories like these you know the obscure ones the ones that are small enough localized enough and um, relevant enough to the bigger ones so 
this is the long answer to why I want to start this podcast. And I'm going to give you a little, an, an even longer answer to what I'm going to do or like what kind of content that I want to put out through this podcast show. So here we go. Um, there are three types of things that I want to do with this podcast show. Number one, um, obscure small stories, like, you know, the ones that I just mentioned. Um, and I think that I don't have to go into deeper explanation. Um, so number two, um, I want to learn a little bit or I want to present a little bit more about social issues or present the, my learning, my process of learning of social issues of today. Um, I will be honest, though, I won't just be focusing on talking about the past and on this podcast, because I believe that eventually every single story from the past leads to a present day situation. And um, I don't want to be the type of people who just talk about the past and fail to realize the present situation of, you know, certain things. Um, so I will also try to connect um, past stories to the present as you know, much as possible. Um, and I will also be honest that the areas that I'll be focusing on are most likely related to, you know, urbanism, cities, and, you know, more localized history, and um, sometimes a little bit about global history. Um, and I will also be honest that um, for for certain topics or areas that um, I am not well-researched in, I would avoid talking about it. Um, because I don't want to give opinions that are just not researched um, and not understood. Um, and so, but yeah, most of the topics that I will be focusing on has something to do with cities and urban areas and transportation, most importantly. And last but not least, the third type of content that um, I will be putting it through here is um, museum reviews, guys. Museum reviews. You heard it right. So, um, in my market research, whatever you like to call that, um, I realized that there are a lot of these social media accounts or even podcast shows that talk about books, that talk about, I don't know, restaurants, that talk about so many other things, um, but museums. And personally, as someone who just do not like to read that much, um, even though, you know, I graduated from a history program, I would be honest, I just don't like reading sometimes. And I just love learning through walking. And museums are one of the best educational places for people who do not like to read because their signs or like their displays and exhibition um, does not require too much of reading. And like, you know, they, they require a shorter concentration span. And so for someone who likes to walk around and like check things out. Museums are great places to learn about history. And not just that, like, museums um, really, re really deserve, I think, um, a better a better spotlight other than just being a tourism place, right? There are a lot of these smaller museums around the DMV area that talks a lot about how D.C., Maryland, and Virginia have been historically significant in U.S. history, and which kind of makes sense because, like, in Virginia and Maryland, we have a lot of these Civil War battlefields, right, and we have a lot of checkpoints or stations of, un of the Underground Railroad. Um, we have ports, so, you know, that talks a lot about immigration history. There are railroads. There used to be a lot of railroads, so it talks a little bit more about the industrial part of this area. So, yeah, um, 
museums, historic sites, um, historic houses. What else? Walking tours are basically the things that I'll be reviewing. Um, but most importantly, it's going to be museums because they kind of just captivate my my heart. And I have so much respect for museum workers. Um, so we'll be reviewing a lot of museums on this podcast show. Lastly, um, I will be honest. I won't just focus on talking about the United States because I travel. You know, I'm not that kind of American who just stays in their suburban single family house and drive to everywhere, you know, drive through their Target or whatnot, or like Starbucks to get their coffee and then go to work and then go back home and learn about nothing. Um, I, I, I travel, I have a passport, you know, I, I fly out of the country and to learn more about other parts of the world. And so whenever I have a chance to do that, um, I mean, traveling, I would always love to learn about local history as well in the city that I am visiting. And um, in future episodes, I will talk a little bit more about something really cool on urban planning that I learned and also park management that I learned in a park in Munich, Germany, when I was in Munich for Oktoberfest. So you see my point and you see where I'm trying to get to, which is um, I would share a lot of localized history through this podcast and I would talk a lot about stories and I would talk about the past through the aspect of space and I would do a lot of museum reviews which is also a very place-based um, topic to talk more about and um, eventually since this is a personal passion project everything is done pro bono so the entire content curation process is going to be very me oriented um, very Evelyn oriented um, you are basically when you listen to each of these episodes and each of these seasons you are basically learning um, my my research journey, if that makes sense, and my learning journey of my area, the DMV, and also the world. So thanks for tuning in and thanks for, um, you know, having interest in it. Um, and I really do hope that um, this learning journey or like this process can, can, can be resounded with you guys because... Um, you know, learning doesn't just happen in a vacuum. It happens when ideas exchange. So that leads me to my final point as we wrap this episode. Um, for every great um, podcast out there, they, they're great audiences. And I believe you are one of the great, you know, great audience that this podcast show is going to cultivate. So if you are interested in this podcast or interested in contributing some topics to this podcast, um, DM me on Instagram at Sidewalk Small Talks or email me via sidewalksmalltalks at gmail.com. Um, or if you have some opinions that you want to contribute um, to the episodes that we that we talked about, or I mean, like to to the episode contents that we dig deep into, uh, feel free to like reach me via Instagram and email as well. Um, I really hope to facilitate um, as much as I can a bilateral, a two way discussion. Um, as we learn about the past of the DMV area and also, you know, places abroad. Um, so yeah, please reach me and please, please really let me know how, like your thoughts of this podcast. So with that being said, if you like this episode, please rate this show a five star because I really appreciate that. 
And um, last but not least, last but not least, before we end, um, I just want to thank you all for staying up till this point. And I am so stoked for rolling out future episodes. So please, please um, stay tuned um, through our Instagram. We would be posting basically episode trailers, episode highlights, and everything you need to know about future content and how to, I guess, interact with me on the uh, on history stuff, on DMV stuff, and on global stuff, if that makes sense. So thanks for staying till this point in this episode, and I really hope to talk to you guys in the future episodes. Thank you.